0: Okay, so it's uh, sort of obvious that uh, we're kind of starting things up again as we begin in the fall, and uh, one of the things that we always try to do is make sure that uh, for newer people that they have a place to connect and uh, get started with us, especially relationally, and uh, that's at every level, so uh, uh, our youth ministries, our children's ministries, and also adults, and so uh, my class in particular, I meet here in, the, in Sanctuary, as we mentioned, on Wednesday night, and um it's been very, very effective because uh, we are a little different. Uh, I suppose all churches want to be a little different and some distinct, but we can be very, very different sometimes—borderline <laughs> uh, weird. But anyway, uh, so and and uh, so we—I <laughs> we, just spent like a whole, like you know, eight or nine weeks just explaining that, you know, uh, uh, why we're so weird. And uh, because if you look at it through the Bible, honestly, if you actually read your Bible. And just read it cover to cover. It's one of the weirdest books you'll ever read in your whole life. I mean, it really is. And the people that God uses and how He is also strange. So sometimes um, our culture is a little bit too clinical. It's uh, for God. It's a little bit too clean. You know, God's messy. God invades. God touches things. He does things that we just couldn't imagine. And even does things with us. So I like to get people acquainted with that. And also, I just like to know you personally. And uh, that's a very big deal for us. And we've been doing that from the very beginning of the church till now. So generation after generation of people getting to know them and uh, uh, just right up front. And um, So that's another reason why we like to have the newcomer part. But also all the classes, they, and they, they kind of reflect our values. And there's nothing more important to us than our uh, marriages and family, especially in this season. So I'm glad we're doing that this fall. Shino's uh, really good at this. He and his wife have been doing it for years. He's got the funniest story you've ever heard, talk about unexpected. He's the last person on earth that ever expected to ever in his whole life be a marriage counselor. And uh, he was, and, and just so to help you understand the culture we're talking about, like we, we went to this place, this, this, this conference, these little breakaway sessions. and uh, So he got in a session and there was you know, a couple of people and they would prophesy over you. And so uh, one of the people in the thing prophesied that he would have a ministry in marriage counseling. He thought that was the funniest thing he had ever heard. He walked out of there. He said, can you believe that? This, these people are a little off, you know. I don't know. You know, and I said, so what they say, he told me all that. And they exactly explained to him what he was about to do, right? Even against his own will. <laughs> and like only maybe a year later at the most, he started doing this and just built ever since that time. He's the most surprised of anybody that he does marriage counseling. So that's what I'm talking about. You never know because prophetic activity for us isn't... It's it's uh, living, the active. When the word comes from the Lord, it ha- has meaning. It puts you on a different trajectory. So we love prophetic and understanding that and never get tired of tr- listening for God's voice. So that's another one of our classes that will be offered as well. And we do that all year long. That and my class called Life in the Spirit all year long. Uh, we do those and then we vary classes so uh it's kind of a new uh, fall, and uh, so we just want to make sure uh, we welcome everybody uh, to the new things that we'll be doing this fall, and Wednesday nights is one of them. All right, so hopefully everybody has an outline. It should say, you are closer than you think. And I want to talk out one of my favorite psalms in the entire Bible. For beginning to end this psalm, is just so wonderful and packed, full of promises for us, and uh, wise advice and counsel and how the Lord works as well, just information, right? So let's look at Psalm uh, 34, and I want to read the first three verses. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name. And it says, together. So you were made for praise and worship, regardless of the season you're in. The Hebrew word translated times refers to circumstances, seasons, occurrences, or events. I will extol the Lord at all times, right, on all seasons. And uh, this is one of the most powerful things you can do while you're in trouble, by the way. If you could just worship the Lord. Let David, the great king, as our great authority on this and great example. He praised the Lord when he was being chased by uh, uh, criminals and trying to kill him. He praised the Lord when he failed so desperately and fell into adultery and uh, all of that, and thought he was going to lose everything. And he just learned to connect with God in this powerful way. Matter of fact, he he bragged about it a little bit. He said, "You know, I I just I, I worship, you know, I because that's where I find the glory of God and that's where I get my power." And so it's so important. This 31, I will extol the Lord at all times. So he knew about all times, believe me. His praise will always be on my lips. And David is the one that probably wrote this psalm, but also he's the one that instituted praise and worship on a whole other level in Israel, if you know anything about that. Not only was a great king, but he was a great worshiper. And so he literally uh, called forth a whole system of a constant worship day and night before the Lord. So when he says, I will extol the Lord at all times, his praise will be on my lips He's—he's uh, he's not kidding, and he was serious about it. He found, uh, as one of the uh, as a man after God's own heart, that this was actually so special in his walk with the Lord. It was something that he found very, very powerful in his life. And the all times part of it is so great because some of the greatest worship times I've ever had in my whole life, when I was in the most difficult place of my life, and somehow. Praying anyway, worshiping anyway, breaks through it. There's something about worship to God that actually chases the enemy away and drives them out of our lives. That's why playing as much worship music as you possibly can around the house or in your car where you go, I mean, it's very powerful. And I don't know about you, but uh, I drag myself into church every Sunday. And I'm the pastor, and I can't imagine why you guys, you know... I'm just dragging in here, you know. Then that worship starts and I'm going, yes, sir, I'm here. I feel a presence, right? So this isn't just the warm-up to whatever else we do. It is the worship of God that causes the presence of God. and It's the presence of God that uh, drives the enemy away and also uh, just uh, in some ways puts us back in our own mind, you know, in our right sense. That's why I never have understood people who who don't go to church on Sunday, you know, I, I think they think of it as just that. I'm just going to church. I'm going to discipline now. I'm going to get mine for the day. You know, the pastor whacked me around, beat me up a little bit. You know, <laughs> no wonder you don't want to go, right? But if you come and to experience the living God, and you find your uh, uh, the demonic things that have been entangling you, uh, uh, leave, and you feel somewhat lighter, I just come for the presence. I come personally for the worship, for the prayer, for the... For, for, for what we do, because I know these transactions, which are great, uh, are powerful over your life. Demons just check themselves at the door, maybe a few blocks away. They don't want to come anywhere near this place, because the angels of God also come. I mean, if you care to accept it, we literally have seen angels from time to time. I've seen them myself from time to time. One time I was, and, I see, and people see those, I I'm going to get a whole subject about angels, I better not go that way, but anyway... Let's just say that the Lord's with us, right? In a very, very real and powerful way. I almost went down a bunny trail, but I didn't do it. Good job, Mike. Good job. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's His will. Want to know what his will is? I see. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And we just, as I mentioned a minute ago, when you just worship alone, it's powerful. But when you worship other people, that's why the Bible says we're two or three gathered together. There I am in their midst. He just likes it. It's just one big party, right? And so we're having a big party this morning in the presence of the Lord. And that's one of the greatest things that, I don't know about you, but I get out of church. That and, of course, the sermon. is just the most amazing thing, you know. But... uh <laughs> The truth of the matter is, I like the worship a lot better. <clears throat> Even when I'm preaching. Especially when I'm preaching. So, uh, look at point B on your outline. Thanksgiving and praise cause the afflicted to hear and rejoice. I like that. There's something that releases uh, um, affliction off of us, um, pressure, as I've just mentioned. And there David just says it right there in those verses, which I, I, I think is... Really, really, really cool. Because of God's presence, and if you look at Psalm 100, verses 1 to 4, this is why God's presence comes. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. As we, He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. He says this, and this is the way we enter into God's presence. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. And even when I'm alone, I do that. I give him thanks. I spend a lot of time just giving him thanks. Matter of fact, I've found actually, uh, especially the last several years, that Thanksgiving seems to be the most direct path between me and Jesus of all the things I could do. Worship's great, but Thanksgiving causes something to have to come out of me even when I'm not feeling too thankful. The whole world tries to get you not to be, (coughs) be thankful. Its whole design is to get you the other way, grumpy, griping. Our whole culture is filled with nothing but complaining, right? So when you thank the Lord for anything you can see, feel, any blessing, you just begin to work in the opposite spirit of the world and where the devil's going, literally. So this is how we enter into the place with the Lord. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever and His faithfulness continues through all generations. So all generations in every way. So why wouldn't we give thanks? Why wouldn't we? Because it brings the Lord's presence, right? In Matthew uh, chapter 6, as we look at uh, part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, and let's look at uh, verse uh, 9 in that part of the prayer. He says, the very beginning of the prayer, how you even, I think it's sort of, how, how you start, he teaches them to pray, and how you start seems to me to be incredibly instructive. I mean, you're before the Almighty God, right? Let's just pretend he stand right in front of you. like, And you're supposed to talk now, right? So, what are the first thing you say? You know, what, what would you say to God? Hi, God! <laughs> wow, you showed up! Wow, that's weird! You know, <laughs> no, I think probably the very best thing is to do exactly what He tells us, and when we pray, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name, praise You, God, praise you, Lord, thank You, Jesus." Pray. Then it goes into the other things, Your kingdom come. You start declaring things from there. So that's the etiquette that we follow in church. I don't know about you, but when I'm in church, I'm, I'm, I'm not only worshiping, but I'm declaring things. I'm binding things and I'm loosening them and, and saying, sorry about that, Lord, <laughs> when he brings something up, right? Confessing things. and But this whole part of how would be your name, holy is your name, is uh, incredibly, incredibly important, isn't it? And we're anticipating the Lord's faithfulness, aren't we? And that, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations, through all generations. It's by no accident that the Lord causes in every service, in every tribe, every tongue, everywhere you go. And I've been a lot of places. I've been a lot of nations, from one end of this earth to the other. Whether you're in Russia or whether you're in a deep jungle in Cambodia, whether you're in China, whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Africa. All churches, in their own way, worship and praise the Lord because you were made for it. That's part of what you were made for. And every, they all do it in their own way. But and, and nobody can organize it like that because they all do it in their own distinctive way, with their own distinctive style, whatever tribe, tongue, what nation you're in, right? So you're closer than you think. And praise puts you there like that. It takes a little faith, but... Sometimes it doesn't take so much faith. The more you get in the habit of understanding that God inhabits the praise of his people, that he's there when you worship, the more you'll do that. I don't know about you, but I run out of gas really fast on my own energy, my own strength. So worship is one of those places. And I know that all of you come first and foremost for my sermon. I know that's why you come here on Sunday morning. But for the few of you that come because just the worship, just, uh, you know, I know better than all that. (laughs) because I come, sometimes I can't stand my own sermon, but I love the worship every time, right? They rarely get it wrong, right? So I won't tell you which ones I don't like. I'm liking this one so far, though. It's good. So let's look at uh, Psalm 34 again. and uh, You can easily take refuge in the Lord. I want to just start reading from Psalm 34 again. Glorify the Lord with me, verse 3. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Then look at this next thing. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Now, it's really important, that calling thing. The more distinct that you can make the call, the better. Not for God, he hears even a whisper, but for you. So you know you actually said it. You you, you actually made your case. You didn't kind of just come to him. You said, God, this is where I'm at. Clearly, I want you to know. And he already knows. But you need to know. You need to say it. You need to tell him where you're feeling about this sometimes. It's important. But then you see this verse 6. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of how how many of his troubles? Aren't you glad all's in there? You know, no, he couldn't do that. That one's too big, you know. No, all. And boy, I tell you what, amazing thing. We can get into a lot of trouble. It's amazing the variety of trouble people get in. That's one thing I discovered in the ministry. I can't believe how many different ways people can get in trouble. Wow. Wow. Man, just do a little marriage counseling. That'll really do it for you. How should you know? I mean, man, how many different ways a marriage can get twisted? But the Bible says He'll save you out of all. Sometimes when we do marriage counseling, people think, "Well, but my case is really special." And like after you've heard your 900th one of those, you're thinking, "How can I communicate to them without offending them that this is not special at all? This is pretty normal, and there's a normal way to get out of this." But you have, you know, you can't say it like that, right? But, but it's true, right? Because we're all in the same group, we're all in the same place. He saved them out of all his troubles. Because sometimes when we are in trouble, we think this thing is just too big for God to deal with. It's just this one. Okay, yeah, I know, but this time, God, this is different, right? Really, it's different. Like God has a scale, and He goes, "Oh yeah, man, that's a really tough one." Don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. It will not take me a while. I'm going to have to summon some angels. We're going to have to do a few things around here. You know? <laughs> God can remove your trouble. It's gone. Right? Now, could I just... Okay, so I just said that easily. But some of you have some conundrums, some things that have been in your life for a long time, and it feels... Like a nine foot, ten foot giant. It is the biggest thing you've ever faced in your life. And it's been around so long. So I don't mean to make light of that. But let's just do this. Say it again. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. This is the truth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So I'm the biggest baby on the planet. I'm constantly taking refuge in the Lord. You know, of the those fears that are truly threatening, you really have only one good choice, and uh, we find that in Psalm uh, 33, verses 12-22. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for His inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down on and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on the earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. Isn't that weird? Somehow or another, we think of God way up there, way far away. We know that he became a human being and he died. He came back close. But we think somehow, okay, Jesus did his business, got to know how nasty we were, uh, died on the cross, proving how nasty we were. Then he left, and then he's sort of detached until the whole thing winds down. Uh, Everything gets into horrible apostasy. Jesus comes and saves the day, takes the good guys away. The bad guys gone. We're done, right? I think it's a little more complicated than that. If it isn't more complicated than that... How depressing! <laughs> because Psalm 33 helps us understand. Listen to this. First of all, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So that's our job to make sure that this nation, God is the Lord. That's our primary issue now. That the, the the nation knows God, right? That's always been our issue, but it's even more now, right? But look at this. He sees all mankind. Verse 14. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on the earth. Wow. He forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. Wow, that's kind of up close. God considers everything that you do. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. He's in there considering it. That's why praying is so important. No little thing, if it's big to you or even small to you, pray about it. Intercede, God's interested in the whole thing. One of the reasons why he can be interested in the whole thing is, first of all, he's overflowing with this amazing compassion, right? But the second reason is because he works things all together for good, for those that love the Lord, and he works things all together toward certain ends for his own kingdom, right? He's busy governing. He didn't wind the whole thing up and leave it, right? No king is saved. By the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. That's why it's so important to learn to take refuge in the Lord. One of the greatest delusions that we face is we think we can do things on our own. Oh, we don't say that. We would never say that I can do this on my own. We learned a long time ago that's the wrong answer to the question. That's the wrong thing to say with other believers. You know, I can do everything. You know, I'm fine, right? But somehow or another, we, we get into that space right? We think that we we can do it, you know, but no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Is all metaphors for the same thing. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. What an amazing thing. It cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. So of all the things that threaten you, you only have one good choice, and that's to put them in the Lord. Hope on the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Ask him to help you in time of need. It's very, very powerful you can easily take refuge in the Lord no matter how long it's been since you did so, no matter how honor you've been, or no matter how horrendous the situation, or no matter how disappointed you've been and ignored him for however long. Maybe there's some people in the room that have been ignoring the Lord for a while. Sometimes when the pain gets so great, you just think, whatever, you know. Whatever you do, do not get into whatever mode. <laughs> whatever. You know, I guess this is what I'm just going to have to deal with. Uh, God doesn't look at it like that. Look at it at all. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And He loves it when our hearts cry out and we grab a hold of Him like that. When we purposely go the opposite direction, right? Because you can easily take refuge in the Lord. And this refuge in the Lord is important. matter of fact, the Bible says that we can even become radiant. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. So no matter how bad you've been, no matter what the issue is, whatever you do, do not let the devil cover you with shame. I like that. Those who look to him, the moment you turn your face toward Jesus, your face becomes radiant. Isn't that amazing? that's important because the enemy wants your face to be covered with shame. Because if he puts you in that place, then you're going to be useless. Right? And actually you're going to start following him instead of the Lord. No, I'm not following the Lord. Well, if you let your face get covered with shame you're going to start doing exactly what he does. And you're going to start repeating the behavior. Because if you're covered with shame, you'll start doing it to other people as well. But the promise here in thirty four five is you can become radiant just by simply looking to the Lord, right? Those who look to him are radiant. What, what do you mean look to him? In some special way? You know, great long-term fasting kind of thing? No, just I was looking over here, now I'm looking over here. That simple. Here, bad. Here, good. <laughs> we make those choices all the time. So important. It's not that complicated. But when you turn your face to the Lord, there's radiance, there's light, right? That's why unforgiveness is horrible to hold in your heart because it brings darkness, right? So it behooves us to forgive everyone, right? To just let them off the hook for our own sake. There's a couple of other passages there on point B, too, there. I just want to read that are so great 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will preach to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and the end will come. So there are huge purposes for your life, and part of it is that this process will be going on throughout the time when God finally decides that the testimony to the nations is over. We are living in unprecedented times. I try to tell you that as much as I can, but there's never been a time like this where the gospel has gone out to the nations. Never and i've been following this over the last 30 years and i've never seen anything like the last 2 years compared to all the years before that it's just amazing and that's actually one thing that i just like you know and i kind of get on this a little bit because i think it's important if you don't travel a lot or you haven't are not aware of what's going on in the world sometimes you can get so cloistered and americans have a really horrible habit of this culturally we just really pay a lot of attention to our own culture but because we don't have very many nations around us it's about mexico and canada but Uh, because we don't have that. Like Europe, for example, we're not as aware of the the nations and what's going on in the nations. But I tell you, this time that we're living is the most amazing time, and it's all geared toward this gospel of the kingdom we preach to the whole world, and then the end comes. And and so uh, this time for us to be busy in the world is so important. Look at Isaiah 49, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He bade my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I've labored in vain. I spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with God. And now the Lord says, you who form me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my, strength, my God has been my strength. He says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I, have al- I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. So this calling is Jesus' calling, but it's our calling as Christians, right? I will make you a light for the Gentiles. What you might not know is how far that light has gone and how many different nations and places, how far it's extending, how literally nations you see on the news are exploding with the gospel in their streets. This is the great hidden thing that people don't know. This is the time of not only refuge in the Lord but giving other people refuge in the Lord. It's part of the Messiah's commission. But for whatever reason in the last uh, 40 or 50 years, it's heightened to a place that nobody would have ever imagined. Muslim nations, we're in India, for example, Muslim nations, places, whole gigantic states of Muslims, millions upon millions of them that the gospel will never penetrate. In the last five years, we have seen unparalleled people, come, uh, Muslims coming to Christ right across the board. And there's other nations, I could say it over and over again. And if you have a troubled spot in the world, wherever you see one, the gospel's not far behind. Because people are learning to take refuge in the Lord in the midst of those. Ukraine is alive. I know personally, it's alive. It's amazing. It has this vibrant, uh, spiritual, amazing community. The most amazing Messianic uh, pastor in the world lives in Kiev. In the largest Messianic church. And these people are crazy for Jesus. All these Jews in the largest Jewish church in the world. Right on the edge of disaster. They didn't leave. They're worshiping and honoring, sowing and salting, oh my. They take refuge in the Lord, even in a situation which is so horrible. The Christians, many of them, we know now, have not left. They're there. They're, they're God's light there. We should be praying for them. We should be giving to them, encouraging them. It's amazing what God's army is doing in these places because we can take refuge in the Lord. He's the safest place To be, right? And when you're doing what he's doing, that's the safest place on the planet for you. Just do what God's doing with your life. That's the safest place you can be. I found myself in so many crazy, weird, strange situations. But I tell you, I've always known the safest place I could ever be is in the will of God. Trying to give help and wholeness to other people. When it comes to the end of your resources, you will find God's resources. I love this in Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Verses six and seven. This more man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of how many of its troubles? Oh. I am so glad that word "all" is in there, aren't you? Because <laughs> you always think you got an exception. You know, well, I'm kind of weird. You know, I sin too much, or maybe this than that. You know, you, oh, you just don't understand my situation. It's just so complicated. I, you know what I mean? I, I don't think any marriage counselor could help me. The issue isn't the counsel lore in the flesh. The is, issue with, your, with another person is what two or three can accomplish with the counselor in heaven. <laughs> That's the issue. Where two or three gather together in my name. That's like marriage counseling, praying for the sick, all of it. Just takes two, right? This poor man called, the Lord heard him, he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, it's so nice. I love that passage so much. He encamps. So you've got an angel of the Lord encamping around you. If you fear God, that's all the qualification it takes to have an angel hanging around. And camping, aren't you glad he encamps? I mean, he he stays for a while. He he doesn't leave when the when the thing gets really tough, right? In the different most difficult circumstances, he's always with me, with you. Bible says, "Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth." I like that Matthew five three. Even when you're meek, in that place of humility. God's grace is with you. God gives grace to the humble. If you're in a humble place, say, thank God, God's grace is right near me. He didn't go far away. If you've been humbled, it's one of the greatest places to turn and say, oh, God, thank you for your grace. I receive your grace. We always think it's when we're in our powerful place. And actually, we sort of get deceived sometimes when we think we're powerful, right? <laughs> Got it going now, you know. My goodness. There's never one of those places. The enemy's always trying to stomp on you in some way. Right? But if you find yourself in a particularly weak place, God's especially there. Blessed are the meek. When you're in that space, when you've been humbled, they will inherit the earth. These are the people that depend on the strength and the glory of the Lord. You're closer than you think to the glory when you're in your weakest place. It's a dichotomy. Sometimes, ironically, people don't want to go to church because they don't want to go with all these like successful, upbeat people. Right? <laughs> right? But you go to the church to just the opposite, not because you're so great, but because you're in such need. You, you go to find a refuge in the Lord, and you find God's resources. I can't tell you in all my history how many people have found resources by stumbling into a church. Oh, my gosh. I've seen it happen. Oh, I mean, literally, I've had it happen every week. Stumbling. I mean, it happened to me the other day. I don't know if she's here today, but I, I don't see if she's here. I don't know, but I, I don't want to embarrass her because I don't even know if she's here or not, but she's just. I can tell she's hungry for the Lord, and she's from Iran, right? And she just keeps coming, you know? And I, I'm, I'm thinking, this is the greatest thing you could possibly do, and she's got problems like all of us. And the other day, this is how it happens, just things like this. The other day, so I, so she came, and then I thought to myself, I've got a book for her. I've got a book for her. And I think it's in her language. I think it's in her language. But where is that book? I'm thinking, where? Then I heard a voice say, go into your office... Look in the closet; it's right there on the shelf. So I thought, oh my gosh! And I'm sitting here. Hey, could you just wait for a minute? <laughs> just wait, just a minute, right? And so I go in my office. Well, in the office, and to my shock, there it is. I can't believe it. It's the book I'm looking for, and the title of the book is "I Dare to Call Him Father." And it's the most amazing book for anyone that wants to turn to God. Uh, it's a Muslim, and it's in her language. I said, "Can you read that?" And it's like in Farsi. Can you believe it? It's, can you read that? And she says, "Yeah, I can read." See, so see, she came but it was a divine appointment. She took refuge and she found the greatest news of all. That book is one of the most powerful books for any Muslim to navigate God. Even the title helps you understand it so powerfully. It's a story of how a woman found Jesus by finding the Father first. She found out God, our God, is a God of love and compassion as opposed to Muhammad, who is everything but that. Look at D there on your outline. Understand where the battles of your life are really being fought. Back to Psalm 34. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you His holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. I love all of those verses. But it says here, taste and see that the Lord is good. But the verse before it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. So this is where the battle is really being fought. It's a supernatural battle you're dealing with. And so we look so normal here in the church, you know, so ordinary. Matter of fact, you may look at us and say, wow, these guys are pretty unimpressive, right? You know, just sort of ordinary people. I don't know what I was expecting when I came to church, but, you know, wow, these guys are like look a little poor. Maybe they're, I don't know. They don't like that guy there. I'm not sure if he's like even alive. He's like been like passed out in the corner the whole time. You know, we have all kinds of stuff. I can imagine there's kind of things. You, you know, we are funny when you look around at people, especially when you're there for the first time. But our true identity is what we need to understand. We are a spiritual people. We are armed and dangerous. When we pray for you, weird stuff happens. And these people who come up to the front, we have the little ministry team. Little ministry team, here we are, like Frodo, you know. (laughs) And they look like, well, that guy doesn't look like he knows anything. You know? But beware, God gives grace to who? humble. So like God can cause amazing things to happen from anybody in this room that just prays for you. As a matter of fact, if God gives grace to the humble, you could probably find grace more in a humble space. People are already looking for me, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, I'm just ordinary like everybody else. Okay, so I pray for a few people, but I've got people who come up here and they pray for people all the time. You never know what God's going to do. As a matter of fact, if I were you, if the Bible says God gives the grace to the humble, I would seek out the humblest person in this room and I'd let him pray for me. You know, So I'm not like sort of measuring things out and think I'm going to get a little oomph if that guy prays for me, right? It works the opposite in the kingdom. It works the opposite because there's a spiritual issue here, right, that we're really talking about. So I want to look at this 2 Kings. Chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. When the servant of the man got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? This is the servant of the prophet. So this, <laughs> the king's upset at Elisha because he's declaring to the to the king of Israel all his movements, and he's really mad. So, so I'm going to go take that prophet out. I'm going to take him out. I'm sick of him giving up our positions. So he sends a whole army to go get him, Right? Right? Oh no, my Lord, the guy says, What should we do? There's an army out there. They're surrounded the village. So don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can I just say that to you and me? Those that are with us, right, are more than those who are with them. Wow. If we just understood our identity. Those that are with us are more than with them. But they look so humble. He's an ordinary person. You know, he doesn't look like a marriage counselor. You know, and I'm not sure, you know, I've heard him say, you know, I've been through 15 marriage counselors. You know, this one doesn't look like he knows what he's doing even. He's sort of confused a little bit. All he wants to do is pray for me. I need some wise advice right now, right? Oh, no. (laughs) Lord, what should we do? So he's thinking we're going to have a fast exit. There's going to be somebody to maybe disguise. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Could I just say that to you all? More more, more of those with us than are with them out in the world. There's angels assigned to everybody here. This whole place is packed full of angels today, right? That should be motive enough. And Elisha prayed, now, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road. This is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them right to Samaria. This is the capital of Israel. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Now, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and they were right inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? <laughs> he says, No, nah, don't kill them. They're not coming back. And sure enough, it says in verse 23, it says the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Now, if you would have killed them, there would have been this retribution thing going on, right? And it would have been even worse, right? It wouldn't have been better. But instead, he lets them go in mercy, and they understand the issue is so much higher than them, they let it go, right? Oh, man. Understand where the battles of your life are really being fought. They're being fought in another place. God gives grace to the humble. If you want to find great answers for your life, have a humble person pray for you. Don't be afraid. Ordinary people sometimes are packing. (laughs) They got what you need. They have what you need. Sometimes I've seen God have a divine appointment up here when we pray where it was your day to be there and it was that day for someone to come up and you were meant to pray together and you had what that person needed. My, my. Nothing can replace that. This is the body of Christ. But the battles that we understand, we are the body of Christ. They're being fought in another place. God gives grace to the humble, humble praying people, just asking. He camouflages sometimes his provision because pride always alienates God, but Frodo's fine. And that's what we are, a bunch of Frodo's, right? I always think of that in our life. Just a bunch of Frodo's. But we have something special about us, don't we? We understand how to get rid of the ring of doom. And we shouldn't be able to. All of these more powerful entities and things should be in the world even, right? You know, right now, I'm just thinking about this. Um, honestly, we're almost having no progress in our culture with mental illness. I've been thinking and rethinking it. And the more educated the people are, the more psychiatry we have, the more people are educated. Some are good, but most of them, they don't have a clue. They honestly don't. And uh, I'm not saying that about everybody. Maybe we'll have a photo out there, a psychiatrist that's walking a little differently. But there's so much mental illness and so much dysfunction going on. And I, I just think that uh, probably our greatest bet is to stay humble and just uh, continue to pray for one another. And every once in a while, maybe God will raise someone up that has a tremendous, powerful anointing on their life, but they need an anointing. The array of medications and the things we have out there, they fall so short. I don't care what the television tells you, right? But God does things on a spiritual plane. And my guess is that if we could understand where these battles are really being fought, and if we would have the courage, I think God would heal far more mental illness and far more what we would call the serious things that maybe we would know. And if you have to go to marriage counseling to someone and they don't look particularly like cool or ready to go or have all the right answers but they have the right heart, I'll tell you, I've seen more happen in that situation than I have any other, really. And you can professionalize it and they can charge you a hundred dollars an hour, whatever, you know. But I'm telling you, uh, the body of Christ, we can easily take refuge in the Lord. Taste and see the Lord is good. I love that. 34 8. Even before the answer, the Lord's already moving. He's our help and our shield. He moves before the answer and after the answer. God's our very great help and shield. And you find that in Psalm 33. But let's move on to Romans 3. Fearing the Lord pays rich dividends. We lack no good thing. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Is that good news or what? Well, We can think in your mind, well, wow, I can think of a few things I'm lacking. Well, just keep going. You haven't seen the end of this yet, right? But if you hold this promise before the Lord, this is the promise you can stand on. It's in the Bible. Either the Bible lies or it's true, right? So we just keep on seeking till we find the good thing. Lions may grow weak, but not us. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Even the powerful, maybe especially the powerful, lack good things. They go hungry, but we don't. What an amazing thing that this, this passage is. Fearing the Lord plays rich dividends. We lack no good thing. And let me just say with regard to this whole point, we read now verses 11 to 14. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life, and desires to see many good days. That's the good thing in verse 10. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. I love these verses so much. They're so uh, amazingly powerful, aren't they? Seek peace and pursue it. So part of seeking peace is and pursuing is learning to live in harmony with others. And uh, you want to suffer for doing good but not from evil. And one of the most difficult things that we face in our life is a spirit of unforgiveness and, uh, and living in harmony with others. I tell you, uh, living in harmony with other people, even when you have to bite the bullet, even when you have to be the weak one, even when it looks like you're being injured, is so much better for you in the long run. It's the pride and the arrogance that get us in trouble, right? But God looks at harmony and our part in it in such a real way. And sometimes it seems so unfair because people can be abusive, they can take advantage of us. But look what First Peter 3 says. See, this is all under fearing the Lord plays rich dividends, we lack no good thing. First Peter 3, 8 to 10. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with insult, or evil with or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Wow. That's a hard one. Because some of the insults and stuff that have been coming, you know, even on the airwaves, I I want to throw stuff at the TV, but I like my TV so much I don't want to damage it. But if it was an old TV, it would be totally messed up right now. Right? (laughs) Whoever would listen to this, would love, life, and seek goodies, keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech? So toward everybody, be careful what you say out of your mouth. By the way, talk like Jesus knows what he's doing. Talk like God's on your side. Let it be reflected in your speech that you have a higher power you're turning to to change the mess, right? They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord... Listen to this. I like this so much are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So if you want to see love life and see good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from deceitful speech, turn from evil, do good, seek peace, pursue it, because this kind of person the Lord's eyes are on. And when you say something to the Lord about your situation, guess what? He's listening. Right? The face of the Lord, however, is against all those who do evil. And furthermore, let's suffer for doing good, not being like the world. Okay, maybe everybody in the world's doing it, and your favorite newscaster, your favorite person, you know, you know, they look good on the outside. But whatever you do, be careful how you get into their frame of mind, their place. Because there's lots of worldly wisdom that looks like wisdom, you know, and maybe some of it is, but just the spirit of it, the spirit of anger, the spirit of death, whatever it's I, don't, I want to suffer for doing good, not get caught up in the world and the way they solve things, right? And so look at 1 Peter 3. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, I can think of a lot of people who want to harm me. But the Bible asks this question. Why, God, you didn't know that like in the 21st century there was going to be this, this, and this, you know? A lot of people want to harm me. They want to make me do things I shouldn't be doing. It's terrible. Who's going to harm you, though, if you're eager to do good? I, I got that part. If you're eager to good, who who is going to harm you? I was thinking about that scripture a lot, things like that, when we were open during the pandemic, and they wanted us to shut down the the. Uh, well, they didn't say it. Thank God, it would have been harder to stop. But you know, i was thinking about closing the warehouse during that time. We never closed it down one time. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? And and, and you know what? it turned out to be the best business thing I ever did in my life. Everybody shut down, and we're open, right? So who's bringing all their stuff and discovering who we are and who's buying all their stuff? Our stuff, uh, They're buying it from us. like, And they discovered it and opened up the whole thing. So now we help more people than ever because we just stayed open because who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good. And we were feeding people and helping people. We were eager to be good, even in this massive, horrible problem. And God really, really likes that kind of stuff, right? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Don't fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And by the way, when you're angry, don't let that be your mask for being frightened. Some of the angriest people I know around with all the things that are going on are the most scaredy-cat people I've ever seen in my life. They're going there, ah, this, blah, blah, and angry about this. Then I just go a little bit deeper, and these people are terrified. They are absolutely terrified that they're going to die. Are you hearing me? Yeah. All of this bravado and stuff. Some of it is just uh, got the deepest sort of a terror in it, to so the place where survival all depends on the right political party doing this, and we do the right that. And God's like, gosh. You know, God's for this God, and if we don't get with it, you know, he doesn't have anybody else left. Right? Where does he find David? Ah, yeah. It might not be obvious. He might be out somewhere over here. We think he's supposed to come from over here. Yeah, that's the right guy. He's tall and strong. Right? Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for evil. For, and on and on. It's just wonderful. I love that it's a whole section of scripture. Isn't that good for us today? The bottom line stop joining the enemy, then God will fight for you. Cry out, and the Lord will deliver you from all your troubles. And we find that again back in our passage in uh, 34. Uh, verses 15 to 17. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attended for their cry. He's listening, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. So let's not get on the evil side. That's the whole issue. The big issue is, with regard to our time, is just don't get on the side of wrong. Don't get on the side of evil. Just fight with the Lord, right? Stay on the Lord's side. It may be a little humbler, but it works a lot better. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. No way, COVID's too strong. No way he'll deliver us from that one. That's a disease. That's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. I have no idea what pan, I guess pan means a lot. I'm not sure, but this isn't an epidemic. This is a pan The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. How many problems is that? That's even the pandemic. All of us get delivered. we got lots of troubles, but he delivers them from all of us. When we cry out, he hears us. That's why the world doesn't understand us. They think we're just these political hardheads. No, we we walk to the beat of a different drum. We're not afraid like you. We're not afraid. We honestly aren't afraid. And I don't want any of your fear on me anyway, because I'm closer than you think. I'm closer than you think. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are in crushed spirits. So if you came in here and you're especially not doing well, you're crushed for something, somebody did you in, somebody's left you, listen to me. The Lord's close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's especially close to the brokenhearted. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them. Wow, Could we just say that again? How, how many is that? Is that like five, 50%, 80%? All, oh, every one of them. No matter what disease they invent, no matter what new thing they think, no matter what thing, tragedy, he, what? I may have many troubles, but I get delivered from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes revenge in him will be condemned. Refuge, sorry. Not revenge, refuge. No one who takes re- refuge in him will be condemned. Wow. What a beautiful passage. These passages, they speak for themselves. They have life in themselves. It's just a question of whether we will believe them or not, right? And function like that in our ordinary life like that. Isaiah 57, 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. But you know where else I live? With the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I just think that is such a cool verse, such a motivational verse for ministry. Look, when we pray for people up here and we have all of our prayers that we do and all the different things, it's just such a privilege to revive the spirit of the lowly, to pray in that place because the Lord lives in that high and holy place where the lowly people are. That's where he lives. You want to find the Lord? There he is. There he is. He's in that place, right? If you have a broken and contrite heart, you're already on the way to victory, according to these verses. Isn't that right? The Lord oversees all trouble in your life. Isn't that nice to know? I'm just going to read these last three verses. The Lord oversees all trouble in your life. You're not alone. I tell you, I think this has been maybe one of the greatest times of loneliness. People have experienced isolation, but you're never alone. You're not alone. No matter what, you're not alone. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him well. He protects all his bones. You're never alone. The Lord oversees all the trouble in your life. Proverbs 24, 15 and 16. Let's read that real quick. Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. Listen to this. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. We always finish on top. World, I'm sorry about that, but you're not going to finish on top. (laughs) Even when we're stumbling around, we finish on top. But the wicked, they stumble when calamity strikes. We aren't going anywhere. You know what? We need to act like that. Respond like that. Wear that kind of faith. Wear that crown. We might fall even a few times, make a bad mistake, do this, that, but but we, we get up again. And the Lord helps us to get up again. Wow. And if you're worried about the righteousness, listen, there's nobody that's righteous in their own strength. The whole thing is you're closer than you think because the blood of Jesus covers you. When you received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, something happened. You became a son and a daughter. And all you have to do when you make a mistake is say, I'm sorry, I I did it, I'm sorry. Just be honest. The only thing you have to do to inherit all these passages, to be righteous, is just say, I did it (laughs) when I made a mistake. I'm not so spiritual, Lord. I lied the other day. I cheated the other day. I was afraid the other day, so I did this. I I did it. Fine. You're good. What? Yeah, you're good. So, let's see. You can fall seven times and rise again. (laughs) You can find ten times. Just... Stay in that place. We live under the shadow of the Almighty and what He's done for us. And the shadow of the mighty cross, which is weak to show strength to all of us. Isn't that good news? And a broken and contrite heart will see it. Will recognize it. Will understand that, right? I I love these verses in the Bible. They're some of my favorite. Why don't we all stand for a moment? Let me finish up today. I'll finish with Romans chapter 8. You can study some of these verses. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is you're closer than you think. And if you've been humbled, discouraged, overwhelmed, you're closer than you think because now you can do business in your weakness and his strength. God loves to make that exchange. We think if we're strong, he's strong. Ah, No, when we're weak, he's strong. You know, that's why when we sing these songs, these Little worship songs, these love songs of the Lord. We we're singing them. That's why the presence comes, because we just are singing in faith to the Lord and offering this up. And then the Lord says, "Man, I really like what you're doing there." That's that first part of the Lord's prayer. You know what? Hallowed be your name. You don't have to even go any further than that. I'm with you. Here I am. <laughs> what do you need now? <laughs> Hallowed be your name. These things, hard declaring things. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Lord, make this right on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my sins as I forgive others. Oh, oh, my mind. Oh, wow. Romans 8, 31 to 32. I love these verses so much. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So how is it that God's for you? You say, God, I did it. I sinned. I made mistakes. Please have mercy on me. I receive your Son, Jesus Christ, over all over again. Forgive me for my sin. I'm right now with you. Thank you very much. There's no condemnation against me. You're for me, not against me. Oh, could it be that simple? You're closer than you think. Could it be that simple? It's ridiculous. This whole thing's ridiculous. You would think I'd have to do something. Jump over tall mountains in a single bound. Something. No. Just be humble and admit that you did it. Be absolutely honest with God. I'm in this place. I did it. It's my fault. Please forgive me, Lord. Man, son, daughter, I've been waiting for you to say that for so long. Thank you. Now, guess what? (laughs) And he starts bringing order to your life. If God's for us, who could be against us? Listen to this. If he didn't spare his own son, but allow him to be crucified for your weakness, for your sin, for your problems but gave him up for us all, how will I not also along with him graciously give us all things? Okay, so be one thing, give us all things. Yeah, okay, fine. You're bugging me. Go ahead, come on, all right. No, gracious, no. Son, daughter, I'm just so glad you said that. I've been I'm just been on the edge of my seat wanting to give you that for a long time. I'm so glad you asked. Graciously give you all things. That's who God is. Now as we're worshiping here today, I just think that if we could have some of those lowly ministering team members, I'd appreciate it. Just <laughs> the ones that are carrying and nobody knows what they're carrying, just come on up to the front. Because I just think there's some people that would like just to commit now that they're closer than they think, to the Lord. Our prayer lives are so powerful, but it does require that we respond. And we just ask God for things in faith. But then the Bible says, where two or three gather together, there I'm in their midst. If two of you agree about anything, it'll be done. So two are better than one. That's why we always do this. We don't do and have people up here to pray with, if you like, at a ritual. We do it because it works. Yes, and they're Frodo's, like me. You know, We're just like ordinary folks. You know, They do have a cool badge on. I see one there. Where's your badge? I'm just kidding. I got, I got a feeling that, um, so two things. I just think that you might be surprised what happens when people pray for you if you need prayer today. So take advantage of that. And the second thing is, if you're newer to us, you can come up here too, but make sure you meet us out there. We'd love to meet you personally. We're going to be having dinner out there and just talking to one another. And I'd just like to at least shake your hand. And my wife and I and our family, would love to be there with you. So So if you need prayer in any way, if you just just take a chance of being weak a little bit before the Lord, why don't you just take a time? You could do it in your seat, just while we're doing worship. Or you could just come up here and receive prayer. So if you'd like to receive prayer, just come up now. And if you just like to stay in your seat, that's fine. If you need to go, feel free. It's okay. But Lord, I pray for anyone that lifts their hands up in this moment and is asking you for change. I'm asking you, Lord, for with their seat or with another person up here, I'm asking, Lord, for breakthrough today. I declare today that we are closer than we think. I declare today that your presence is among us. I declare that there are prayers that are being prayed right now that will be answered. This faith is in the room now. And as we worship and have people pray for us, up here or in our chairs, I pray, God, that you would just bring such a glory, such a grace, such a comfort. But most importantly, I pray when we lift our voices toward heaven, you would hear from heaven and you would bring mighty answers in Jesus' mighty name.